0: I'm Doug Keck, and welcome to a special bookmark where we're joined from New York. Mother Claire Mathias, CFR, is the author. Her new books, Little Convent in the Big City. The first book focuses on the unsolvable problem. The second book, Light in You. It's wonderful to see you again, Mother, here on EWTN. And everybody recognizes, obviously, the CFRs and uh, the great connection to EWTN and Mother Angelica over the years with uh, the great Father Benedict Rochelle and the Father Andrew Apostoli, who was involved in actually the founding of the Sisters, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. It's just great to be with you, Doug. Thanks so much. And um, yes, the EW10 was so dear to both Father Benedict and Father Andrew. And uh, Father Andrew is the founder of the CFR Sisters, our, our community. So, yes, he is a close connection that we have you know, between us.
0: Right, right. Now we spoke back uh, about five years ago or so. Uh, you had a uh, talking about discerning religious life, a program. Now these are our children's books. Are they still focused on the idea of discerning a religious life or what what were these targeted to?
1: Yeah, yes. well, they are they are in a way. you know the the realization uh, strikes us sisters frequently every time we go into a school, really, mm-hmm that more and more as the years go by our catholic kids are not exposed to religious sisters and we'll you know i'll often start the first question will be how many of you have ever seen a sister before Mm -hmm. and very often no hands go up we're the first time uh, maybe one maybe two so it's less and less exposure to religious life so the idea of this series is Um, to get a a religious sister through Mm -hmm. the character of Sister Mary Andy and the convent and religious life right into the classroom in Catholic schools, right into the home in Catholic homes so that even though we can't get into every parish and every Catholic school as much as we'd like to, um, this this series could and children can be exposed to the beauty and and the joy and, and just the fact that it still exists, just the reality that there is still such a thing as religious life. Right. So it Abs- is connected to discernment.
0: Right, absolutely. Uh, so many of us were lucky back in the 50s and the 60s that uh, we went to schools that were populated, let alone grammar schools, let alone high schools, with sisters. So it, that, that exposure, and certainly Ten has tried to maintain that, obviously, because of being founded ourselves by Mother Angelica and our wonderful sisters. So the idea of doing it as a kid's book, whose idea was that?
1: Well, you know, it was an idea that had been brewing in my mind since I was the vocation director. And of course I'm not in that role anymore, but I'm always the part of my heart and my mind and my prayer is always directed towards helping women discern. Mm -hmm. And but I always thought, and Father Andrew also used to always say this, that we have to start so much earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the young adult woman. Um, who is already asking the question of discernment, but the child who has never been exposed to religious life, how can you discern something that you don't know, that you've never seen, that you don't even know is a an option mm-hmm. uh, for your life? So that's why we wanted to start younger, not so much with discernment. We don't wanna sit down a group of seven-year-olds and guide them through a discernment process, right. but just show them. It's just like opening the door on the convent and saying, look at this, You know, look at this reality.
0: Right. the discernment and,
1: will come later.
0: And, and at least having that in the back of their mind is something that might be an option down the road as they progress through their own education. Uh, now, you talk about the fact that there are, there are different themes throughout the book. Uh, you know, it's not a simple book in that way. Explain how you did that
1: okay yes so so what you find when you open the first book the unsolvable problem is you're introduced to a sister sister mary andy Hmm. and note that she's named after father andrew actually that andy is for him okay a little uh uh-huh and uh, and you're introduced to the convent and you see you see a convent, a house for sisters. You see that sisters live with the blessed sacrament. And you see all the things that are maybe the same about maybe an ordinary family life, but also the things that are, are different and unique to consecrated life. So you're exposing, the children are being exposed mm-hmm. to that. But you're also, you're seeing Sister Mary Andy um, and the sisters go to the chapel, gather for prayer, have adoration. You see them facing a, a, an unsolvable problem, mm-hmm. you know, a difficulty. Um, and then how they go to Jesus uh, when they have a problem and mm-hmm. then how the Lord, you know, answers their prayers. So children are learning how to deal with difficulties and small problems in their own life, mm-hmm. how to offer their own heartfelt prayers to Jesus. So it has layers mm-hmm. of themes.
0: Right. If we can, what I'd like to do uh, is maybe take a look at there was a short video that uh, was put together that kind of gives a little bit of a sense of what the book is about and what it looks like. And that'll help us as we as we go along in our conversation. So if we can take a look at that right now, that'd be great. Okay, so that was uh, lively, and it gives, uh, I think, people a sense of the book. One of the things that drew me to the book was that you mentioned Yankee Stadium, of course, uh, and as a diehard Yankee fan stuck in Alabama, uh, it's good to see. (laughs) It's a little like home, but it's interesting because you wanted to show the inside, and and not only the idea of the convent, but what you got across from that was the joy that the sisters have in their lives, which we see. IN YOUNG SISTERS LIKE YOUR ORDER, WE SEE WITH THE NASHVILLE DOMINICANS OR MOTHER Assumpta's DOMINICANS OR WITH THE SISTERS OF LIFE. AND and, and IT'S SUCH A COUNTER CULTURAL LIFESTYLE. PEOPLE, I DON'T THINK, UNDERSTAND HOW COULD THEY BE SO HAPPY?
1: EXACTLY. EXACTLY. AND EVEN I CAN RECALL AS A YOUNG ADULT CONSIDERING RELIGIOUS LIFE MYSELF, I HAD THOSE SAME MYTHS, YOU KNOW, THE MYTH THAT religious life is, is surely uh, sort of dark and maybe a little oppressive mm-hmm. and very, very serious and staunch. And, and those, are, those are myths. And it took me visiting to see, wow, this is a life of light and joy and, and, and really a deep fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so we wanna get that across, that, that just that even to the children, that the joy of entering into the family life of the sisters, which also comes through their, their prayer um, their, their relationships with one another, mm-hmm. but also the service that they do. And so you see glimpses of that in the book mm-hmm. as well, so that children can learn when you give to others, um, as St. John Paul II spoke about the law of the gift, that mm-hmm. that when you give yourself away, right. you're fulfilled by that. So it's little ways to to train children in the faith, even through, through the religious sisters of the book, which is very classic, uh, that religious sisters would be involved in the formation uh, and education of children, but even through a creative method of of a story.
0: Right, that self-donation idea that you referenced there. And it's also Eucharistic in, in, in this part. It says, if sometimes I say God and sometimes I say Jesus, it's not because I got sleepy while writing this. No, it's because the host is Jesus and Jesus is God.
1: That's my favorite line of the book, Doug. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite line because we so you know our life is so eucharistic, and and of course our church is so eucharistic. It's the source and summit. Mm-hmm. But do our children? You know, we, we we all see the polls coming out and and the efforts of the bishops to to re-evangelize the faithful. But but to get that simple message across that. That the host is Jesus and Jesus is God and He's there for for you. So whatever yeah. ways we can help um, evangelize our children to know the basics of the faith, and and this book is a way is a way to do that.
0: Right. So are are you the model for the one who's who's doing the handstands and uh, the cartwheels, or, or <laughs> I is shall that... not
1: reveal my secret. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. I was, I was wondering if the, if that was particularly you. And 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 the big problem I, I thought was nice about this. Book was that in, in some ways it was USA-centered and, and, and patriotic in the connection to July 4th, which in many cases, you know, people have lost sight of.
1: Exactly. And that was that was obviously very intentional as well that, you know, patriotism is a virtue Mm -hmm. and it's a virtue that's being lost and to make a, you know, maybe a small effort, but an effort to rekindle that in our children that this is a great country. You know, this is a great we have a great faith. We have a great country and we've been given so much. And so that theme of patriotism is also one of those many layered mm. themes. So you see the sisters singing all the patriotic hymns and unfurling the the American flag and getting ready for uh, the Fourth of July. So, so I think that's also important for for children to to see that and have that rekindled in them.
0: Right, and and religious freedom and the the underpinning of that and why that's so important. Uh, exactly. And you also make the point that the you would talk about the chapel, but that the sisters spend a lot of time out and about in the city and, and they spend time out. DOING GOOD DEEDS, AND, and YOU MENTIONED THAT uh, THE SISTERS ARE are NOT TEACHERS IN THAT WAY, RATHER THEY'RE LIKE MOTHERS, uh, NOT MOTHERS TO CHILDREN OR BABIES, BUT MOTHERS TO THE POOR.
1: YES, YOU KNOW, in, IN THE CONCEPT OF THIS BOOK, YOU KNOW, I HAD TO GO, I HAD TO SEARCH MY MIND at AT, at THE BEGINNING STAGES, HOW WOULD WE PORTRAY THE RELIGIOUS LIFE, um, you know, because of course, we don't only want to expose children to the CFR sisters' community and charism. We want to expose children to the religious life, consecrated life overall mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church and that possibility and all of its many varied uh, possibilities. But yet, as you know, to write, you have to be authentic mm-hmm. to yourself and write about what you know. So I knew right away it's got to be us. But yet we want to open that out so that it's revealing all of religious life. So we do focus on our charism um, of, of that hands-on work with the poor and evangelization. But through that, we're introducing the children to the beauty of religious life IN all of its other aspects as well. And on that page, you see all the different habits and right. the different types of sisters. So we're trying to open that out into a broader, a broader view for the kids.
0: Was it also intentional to the idea of showing how YOUR ABILITY TO WORK AMONG THE POOR, TO DO THESE GOOD THINGS COMES BECAUSE OF YOUR Eucharistic, uh, you know what I mean, FOCUS, BECAUSE OF YOUR PRAYER LIFE, BECAUSE OF THE SPIRITUAL LIFE. YOU CAN GO AND DO THESE THINGS.
1: ABSOLUTELY. AND and I HOPE THAT, AND, and IF THAT CONNECTION ISN'T MADE IN THE FIRST BOOK, I THINK IT ABSOLUTELY WILL BE MADE IN THE SECOND BOOK, THAT mm. KIND OF THAT EBB AND FLOW THAT WE MOVE FROM THE CHAPEL IN PRAYER OUT TO Jesus in the chapel to Jesus in the poor, Jesus in the poor, back to Jesus mm-hmm. in the chapel. And I think that becomes more and more clear. And that's the beauty of a series because you can build mm-hmm. on the themes and they can continue to grow.
0: Right. Now, you like hamburgers, but you've got a problem with bagels or something?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you I love the New York bagel. There's nothing yeah. like it. You can't Absolutely. get anything like it anywhere. But you can't, you know, when you're on a burger, you need a bun, you mm-hmm. know?
0: Right. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so uh, now you also talk about the fact that in the end uh, we won't talk about exactly how the mystery is is solved and everything but why did you define it as an unsolvable mystery when it seems like it's reasonably solvable
1: sure well it's kind of catchy isn't it Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a hook there the unsolvable problem and um, what we're what we're also sort of revealing is the aspect of our life that the living by divine providence. Mm. So maybe for, you know, someone else, the fact that you don't have a hundred hamburger buns on hand for your 4th of July party for the poor wouldn't be an unsolvable problem. But when it's July 3rd and you're a religious sister who lives by divine providence, it does have kind of an ominous, uh, Mm. uh, and it's a true story as well. So, but we live by divine providence, meaning that we do rely on the Lord. There's no income for the work that we do other than God, what God provides as he provides right. it, which is usually through good people and sometimes even through miraculous ways. But in this case, it shows the kind of the mix of those two mm-hmm. things, the sister going to prayer um, and the prayer being in, almost immediately answered through the goodness of people.
0: Right, and, and that reliance on divine providence keeps you connected to the Lord. I know with mother Angelica, that was always important to her to, to, to not forget That at the end of the day, the Lord will provide. And she'd always say, you know, I go forward with one foot in the air and a queasy feeling in my stomach. I knew ultimately it would work out, but I wasn't clear on how the Lord would make it actually happen. So, this is an actual event that occurred. And again, where people show up seemingly out of nowhere to, to solve the problem effectively.
1: Exactly. It's that we've never seen before and haven't seen since and And it's just the way our life works day in and day out. Right. And Mother Angelica was such a great. She was an icon of divine providence and just a a pillar of faith. and and so she absolutely lived this way to such an extraordinary degree. What an inspiration. but our our life is like that as well. Right. And I understand that queasy feeling that taking right. a step out in faith and knowing that the degree that our trust that we can mm-hmm. place our trust in God is the degree that we get to see His providence. And there's a ratio. There between those two things, the trust, um, trust in his, you know, our poverty and trust in his providence, right. and and getting to see that.
0: Now that's uh, the talking about the unsolvable problem. Okay, little, little convent in the big city. Now that that's the first book. Let's just talk about the artwork. Who did the artwork for you?
1: Oh, the artwork. I you know I think is spectacular. And my my good friend, my longtime friend Michael Corsini, who's a. Full-time artist and uh, a Catholic family man who's uh, dedicated his talents to the service of the church. Mm. He he um he did the art, and what's so spectacular about it is it's not these are hand-painted images for every page. So mm. he is, you know, taking the investment of all of his gifts and talents and pouring it out to create you know the sisters and the convent and the and the poor and the people and the stories. So so there's something very very beautiful about mm. his hand-painted work to, to flesh out the story, so I'm really grateful to him, and I think he adds that right. element of beauty to the whole thing.
0: Right. Now, you didn't do this in rhyme. A lot of kids' books these days, you get get kind of the rhyming scheme. Had you thought about that at one time, or was that just not your forte?
1: Well, you know, this one you asked, I did think about that. You know, mm-hmm. when you, you know, never ventured into children's books before this venture. And so you think about all those things, like what, ty- what type of art, you know, what style, what, what will be a lyrical mm-hmm. style. And I'm attracted to that style, but it just didn't, this project didn't lend itself because I think of the, the layers of depth we wanted to get across in terms of the catechesis as well. Right. But since it's a series, you know, the future could hold anything.
0: Right. Okay. Let's talk about the, the second book. Uh, the one, uh, the light in you. So what is Sister Mary Andy up to this time?
1: Okay, well, this is a wonderful Christmas story actually. And mm. like the first one, it's based on a true story. So this is a real event that happened in the lives of the sisters. And um, it's it's related to home visiting. One of our many apostolates is visiting our neighbors. We, we always live in, in neighborhoods noted for poverty so that we can live among and mm-hmm. serve the poor, not just to go in and serve the poor, but to live among and serve the poor. So Sister Mary right. Andy is visiting a neighbor who is blind. Mm. And um, not only is he physically blind, but he's also you know, deeply upset, bordering on depression. And so she and the sisters go in to, to minister to him. And um, so and it unfolds in the theme of light of, of bringing him from darkness to light really is the theme that threads through the story uh, ending on 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 Christmas Eve with the Midnight Mass so I won't give away more than that but it's a a beautiful story a true story a heartwarming story and Mm -hmm. it will be out by Christmas
0: and that's Antonio that's the the character that you're talking about right
1: correct Antonio and his dog star are are featured in the next
0: book Uh, dog star that that works both ways uh now you've got you talk about the it's the idea that the light in you helps show how religious sisters are Christ bearers, bringing the light and joy of Jesus to human souls. How so, how is that the case? How are you Christ bearers?
1: Yes, you know, as you were pointing out before, you know, our, our life is a Eucharistic life. You know, mm. we, we start with mass every morning, we end with Eucharistic adoration at the end of the day. We pray five times throughout the day. So we're living a, a, a very contemplative life for active sisters, you know, mm-hmm. it's a mixed life. And so we're, our life is this ebb and flow between drawing our strength mm-hmm. and our joy and just the love of God through prayer and then going out to those most in need. and and shining that light uh, for them. So, mm-hmm. and that's very practical, you know, it's shoes for the homeless, it's a hot cup of coffee, you know, for, for someone on the sidewalk, it's a visit to a home, but all of that is the love of God. It's not, I'm not just bringing my love and my concern and my care, but it's God's love. And mm-hmm. we seek to be really the maternal face of the church, the maternal face of the church to the poor. And so so this is not something we do by our own our own strength, of course, we wouldn't even right. want to, but, but really, with the love of the church and and the love of God, the love of Jesus himself.
0: now, this is a book for kids, but you talk about dealing with negative emotions. Aren't we supposed mm-hmm. to keep everything upbeat these days?
1: <laughs> well, that's kind of hard to do in the world we live in, you know, and and so, you know, d- children more and more, you know, are getting in touch with um, it, and a lot of actually curriculums, more secular curriculums mm-hmm. are dealing with emotions. So I think we need, the church needs to also be able to uh, show up on that front and help children deal with their emotions, but not just um, it, with their own own power, but with the power of God. And mm-hmm. so you see Sister Mary Andy who yeah, visits this, this man and she just simply listens to him. She accepts him and she doesn't try to, uh, she just listens. Mm-hmm. She just listens in a very simple way and so you it shows children that it's and you can see it unfold Mm -hmm. um as there's a little catechetical moment where children are invited to think about who who do they talk to you know when they're feeling sad or mad or some of those negative emotions who do they speak with so something just as simple as that without psychologizing the children or trying to offer some pop psychology to them but just to be able to bring it to the light that very um, CATHOLIC PRINCIPLE, THAT Ignatian PRINCIPLE OF WHATEVER IS GOING ON INSIDE IS BETTER DEALT WITH IN THE LIGHT AND mm-hmm. IN THE LIGHT OF CHRIST AND SO right. THAT THEME, AGAIN, THAT LIGHT THEME, THAT CHRIST THEME THROUGHOUT.
0: AND THAT IDEA THAT you, that IF YOU ARE LIVING IN THOSE SITUATIONS THAT THERE IS AN OPPORTUNITY TO TURN TO THE LORD.
1: EXACTLY. AND THAT'S, HE ULTIMATELY IS THE GREATEST uh, LISTENER, THE GREATEST mm-hmm. LIGHT AND THE GREATEST, uh, THE SAVIOR mm-hmm. FROM THE THINGS THAT ARE, are BURDENING. Burdening us, so so hopefully that comes through clearly.
0: And and, uh, you use the same artist, right? Michael Crocini did uh, these as well, right?
1: Absolutely, and and these these you know he just really um, truly illuminates. You know he really grasps the the concepts. So we were able to Mm -hmm. talk together about the themes, and he immediately then is able to put his own. Um, artistic flair and and vision to it and uh, so he really saw light as a character so when I'm explaining this theme of the the light coming through he's like the the light will be a a character of its own and he really portrays that in the book
0: so uh, so how much uh, art direction did you do I mean did you have versions that were done that you thought "Mm, didn't quite capture it or did you leave that up to him after your initial discussion
1: you know, it's funny, we work very well together. So so I'll give a, a vision for how I see it unfolding, how I see the story unfolding, even artistically, what images could be on each page, but trying to leave him plenty of room for his own creative inspiration. And then there's a working together, ah, maybe a little more of this or a little less of that. But in this second book, I have to say, there's he, he, he just, he captured it so immediately that there's been very little mm-hmm. um, uh, need for for any further direction you know he just has a vision as well so we work well together and it's been great teamwork
0: so how many books will there be in this series do you have another one in mind do you have several or
1: oh there's several in mind but only the holy spirit knows uh, how this will uh, unfold and when the next one will be but but we envision you know a long-running series to be able to mm-hmm. again um fill the world of Catholic children with something positive and with specifically that window into the religious life. This is an aspect of Catholic life that is still relevant and still exists even if they've never seen a sister in their community or in their parish. Mm -hmm. And we just feel that's so important that every Catholic child knows that this is still a reality because there are children growing up thinking that it's not. And there's a sister in my own convent Mm -hmm. who's now in final vows but when she first visited, I was the vocation director, and she told me this story mm. of praying more, spending more time with the blessed sacrament, growing in her faith, growing in prayer, and feeling a call, feeling called call to something, something special, something different. And she was genuinely perplexed because she said, how could God be calling me to something that doesn't exist anymore?
0: I see. And I was gonna ask you that with, with that point in and you being a vocation director, you being with the sisters for twenty-five years or more at this point in time, how is it different today in the young women that come forward who think they might have a vocation? Has it changed?
1: It it has changed, Doug. Yeah, it really has changed over these 25 years. And and this case of uh, the sister I'm mentioning was was one thing. I mean, to I was stunned that the, she she went to all Catholic schools right through college, her university, and didn't know that religious life was still a thriving re- reality. Mm-hmm. Maybe smaller, maybe diminished in some places and cases, but still there. So so that's the first hurdle, you know, to, to just reveal that this is still happening and and still thriving and still relevant. Mm-hmm. And but then secondly, yes. Uh, once women even are aware of that because the culture is growing more and more toxic to to right. be really honest with it we we don't even need to enumerate the 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 many many things that are corrupting our our children our families our mm-hmm. culture That it's harder for women to enter to go from the chaos of the world as it is right now into the purity of the convent it is it, it's a it's like a chasmic leap, you know, mm-hmm. and so the preparation is much greater now than it ever was. People often need to have time for healing and even counseling and it's just more preparation is needed to enter into this than before. But it's still possible. It's still happening. Many women are still being called, um, but just the trajectory right. of going from the world into the common is just different than right. it was.
0: Than it used to be. And it's mm-hmm. interesting also in relation to that, what about parents? You know, it seems like, you know, a parent, a lot of families, there are fewer kids. Sometimes there seems a reluctance on that. Some of the scandals make maybe parents a little more worried about what their child, their daughter might be choosing.
1: Oh, absolutely. That is so true. It, it, it's a rare thing today to have parents that are enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. It's a very rare thing. In fact, I'm surprised if, if there happens to be a parent that thinks this is a wonderful idea right. and they support their child. Most parents are hesitant um, and or worse, or, or right. worse. So there is a real job to win over parents. And actually, this book is helping. Right you know, our candidates even, it was just coming out and, and they were just in the application process and they, they, they gave it to their parents, and and we had a number of family members say, you know, this children's book kind of helped me get a glimpse, and I feel a little differently right. about it. So I was tickled by that. That it wasn't parent parents of religious sisters were not the intended audience, right. but um, it's it's helping them as well. So we thank God for that.
0: Absolutely. Well, good luck in your future endeavors. Uh, make sure you stop by when new books come out. Mother Claire Mathias, C.F.R. Her new series, The Little Convent in the Big City. Her first book is The Unsolvable Problem. The second one is The Light in You. Both available through our EWTN religious catalog, EWTNRC.com, All Things Catholic. Great book for Christmas. Check it out. And we thank you so much, Mother Claire, for joining us here on Bookmark.
1: Thank Thank you, you. Doug. Really appreciate it. God bless you. you.
0: You too.